Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we're feeling it. If this is your first time joining us. Welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat them up. Enjoy. All right. Welcome, everyone. Glad to have you with us again and am uh, uniquely jealous of how much less anxiety you have than us because you already know the outcome of the election. We are recording this uh, on Monday, November 7th, and this will be coming out Wednesday, November 9th. So, uh, yeah, we're on the precipice of a whole new thing. Um, but we wanted to let you know that that is the context we're going into recording this, uh, if for no other reason than context alone. Um, yeah, so if something crazy happens on Tuesday night, that's why we're not <laughs> referencing it. If something nuts happens and everything just, like, blows up, they're like, why are they talking about movies right now? This exactly. is a serious time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, we're going to be working through a few things this week, starting off with what we're feeling, as always, and then moving into some music news. Um, and then we'll wrap up with our featured review. This week we're talking about Marvel's newest installment, Doctor Strange. Uh, but before we get into any of that, let's go around and introduce ourselves. Um, and while you're introducing yourself, in honor of Doctor Strange, if you had to pick one pop culture phrase to be, like, the mantra you used to meditate with while becoming the Sorcerer Supreme, uh, let us know what it would be. Sandra, start us off. Okay, I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And my answer to your question, Lawson, involves a little bit of backstory, just a, sh- a short bit. Um, <laughs> right. on, on the Doug Loves Movies podcast, there's a comedian named Dan Van Kirk who often comes on portraying the character of Mark Wahlberg and in that performance Mark Wahlberg does a reading of like famous lines from movies and every time before he does a famous a, a reading of one of these famous lines he says to like, he says to himself look good feel good look good feel good and that's that is what I think my mantra would be just look good feel good and I know that has other origins than this portrayal of Mark Wahlberg. I I understand that, but this is like what has made me fall in love with the phrase Mm -hmm. is me channeling Mark Wahlberg. Got it. I love that. When I was in college, that was one of, I mean, for all of my liberal education, that was one of the main things was somebody at one point said, look cute, do cute. And it's stuck in my brain ever since that time. That's awesome. Deep cut. Deep cut. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm Lucas Schreider, designer from the Bay Area, and I'm going to go with one that is not a deep cut. Uh, John Lennon, All You Need Is Love. Oh, what a good one. I love that. Lucas is being sincere tonight, y'all. This is a fresh look. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) I meant All You Need Is Love sarcastically. Obviously, John Lennon knew nothing about household economics and exactly (laughs) right oh man all right well i'm lawson soured i'm our director in nashville tennessee and uh i think mine would be from parks and rec treat yourself (laughs) of course i have a hard time remembering to be easy on myself and so it's like a really good phrase for me to reflect on over and over yeah 
Anyway, I'm being I'm matching your sincerity, Lucas. Um, now that we're all emotional, <laughs> uh, speak for yourself. <laughs> Sandra is still impressively aloof, so let's not pretend. Um, I'm saving all, right. all my emotions for election night. Yeah, <laughs> wise. Um, all right, well, let's go through what we're feeling this week. Who wants to start us off? I will. If uh, yeah, if we're making this. Democratic here. <laughs> Who wants to start us off? Um, well, what I'm feeling this week is the new Netflix series, The Crown. Um, really, I've I've only watched one episode. I've only watched the pilot of this show, and it is incredible. But what I love about it is kind of the the build up to it and the production work that Netflix has put uh, into this thing. You guys have heard about The Crown, right? Yes, yes, I've heard a okay. lot. Okay, I haven't it's, heard about it at all. You haven't heard about it at all? Oh my gosh, Lawson, it's so good. Anyway, here's what it is. So it, it came out this weekend, um, and basically Peter Morgan, the uh, creator slash writer, um, has said what he wants to do is he wants to tell the story of uh, Queen Elizabeth II, the current Queen of England. Um, and he wants to tell it over six seasons, 10 episode seasons. Um, so 60 episodes of her life from her marriage Um through her becoming queen up to where she is now, um, having ruled for, what, like 64 years or something like that. Um, and it's going to be rotating actresses in in the role of the queen, of um, of Queen Elizabeth. So that kicking it off, great. It's, yeah, oh, yeah, it sounds amazing. And basically Netflix has said, yes, you can do this. Um, it's the most expensive TV show ever produced. Um, they spent $156 million on season one. Whoa. And I know, I know. And so season one is done. They're working on season two. Um, but the plan is six seasons. So my question, Lucas, is, is there going to be a new actress playing her every season? Or is it going to be like maybe this actress that they have plays her for season one and two, and then maybe a second actress for two and for three and four? Do you have any, does, is there any knowledge about there, what that's going to be? There hasn't there nobody has said anything about that. He has said it's going to be different actresses, but he hasn't like broken it up saying exactly how it's right. going to be broken down. Or, My assumption. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's 60. It's over 60 years. Right. Basically. So my assumption would be each, I guess, 10 year span is played by a different actress. Um, I guess my other question, and I'm not saying you would know the answer to this, but mm -hmm. would it be. Does that mean the entire cast gets rebooted? Like, or do certain That's, actors stay? Like, does her husband? Do we get a new husband? Like, for right, right. It's a good question because they've they've kicked it off with Matt Smith. If anyone's a Doctor Who fan, right, um, is playing Prince Philip, her husband. Oh, cool. Um, he's who's the only, a very difficult. Yeah, he's the only he's, actor he's the only, I'm familiar with that's in this series. Yeah, so he's a very difficult actor to, I think, replace. <laughs> right. Um. Um. He's he's a very he. His physicality is very different from other people's, um, so it'd be an, it'd be interesting to try and sw switch him out. Um, a lot of the the other people in this show um, kind of take a back seat to those two as as the season kicks off with the kind of the beginning of um, of their marriage and and kind of the the difficulties there. I think I think that probably what will happen is Claire Foy, who's playing uh, Queen Elizabeth in this first season will continue into the second season mm -hmm. just 
due to, I think, technicality. Like, you have to carry over a little bit. Um, I'm not sure where transitions will happen, but I think right. that's kind of the excitement, for me at least, of this show, is knowing this information beforehand. It's not like a normal network thing where it's like, yeah, you get one season and then we'll see what happens. Um, that they've put a lot of faith in this show um, to grow. So it was, I think... I feel like there's a lot, lot of opportunity for them to even do something more exciting where instead of having this one actress play her for one or two seasons, you could even have a second actress come in halfway through the third season. A or season? Like, you yeah. Could, or you could like mix and match episodes. You know, you could do like a mm-hmm. flashback episode. You could do, you know... There's a lot of like room really cool... for playing. Oh, yeah. They could do some really effective punctuation. Just like if you have either halfway through an episode or from one episode to the next unannounced, a different actress come in. Mm-hmm. Like, you could play with the perspective of the audience, like, yep. not knowing who this person is. And to, ah, that's so yeah. that's such a cool thing that they, a device that they have to work with. Absolutely. It's it's something I unheard of i think that that hasn't been done before and i'm really excited to kind of see see what they do with it um the show itself again i've only watched one episode but the show itself is beautifully shot um it i we, we talk about tv looking cinematic now and i think this is this is the most cinematic i've ever see, seen a tv show you can really tell where the money went um for this it starts off with her marriage in uh i think 19 19- I'm going to I'm going to show my lack of history knowledge here. I think it's like 1946, I think. Something like that, somewhere around there. Uh, 47. Um, you 47. Me. Oh, no, I just made that up. I don't know. Do you not know? Oh. Neither of us know. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. As as someone who is super into uh specific British history, this is right up my alley. I love all of this stuff. Um oh. and it's it's paired really well the timing of this show cuz um Victoria just came out as well, um, a BBC miniseries right. about Queen Victoria uh, that I will for sure be watching. Um, but I love it. All this British politics that uh, that I that I don't you get will, in my normal life. Lucas, you Anglophile. I know, right? <laughs> it's, it's definitely not on the same caliber, but I'm curious if you ever tuned no. in to any episodes of Rain. Yes. So I have I have watched Rain. I like Rain. Okay. Um, I It's... I mean, it's CW, right? It, right, right. So what, what I, it, yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's gonna be CW, right? Uh, <laughs> but what I, I think what I, what I miss from Rain is what I'm getting from The Crown is the, the politics, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the actual ruling of, <laughs> of the country and what plays into that and right. the relationships between, you know, all of these governing people, mm-hmm. um, and I think with rain you it's a little more of just the relationships between the people minus the actual politicalness of it i love lucas how much you love british dramas that is one of my favorite things about your (laughs) pop culture taste it's so weird (laughs) (laughs) but it's me it's me it's what i love we lived in the same city and that we could watch this show together because it's a show that I'm very intrigued by, but I mm. have a hard time imagining myself sitting down by myself and watching episode mm-hmm. after ep- episode. I feel like it would be very fun to watch with someone. Um, so I wish we could do that. I wish we lived close enough to each other. Yes. That was an option. Yes. <laughs> it is. It is something I'm interested to hear. I'm interested to hear from people who 
watched this without a knowledge of how British politics work and about the history. Because, I mean, I, f- I feel like I'm gonna I'm bragging when I say this, but I already know a lot about Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, much more than oh, the two of us. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. No. I, that's I've great. got a I've got a solid working knowledge of her reign already, um, yeah. and so there's a lot of foreshadowing that happens in in the first episode. Sure. And I'm and I am curious if that's not not something that like people will get because I don't think it matters if people get the foreshadowing stuff. But right. um, I'm wondering how a, a show like this plays to people because i i do feel yeah. like it is also very much um marketed for an american audience um yeah. so i'm very curious to see how most people react to this show so well, if you're listening to lucas in your headphones and <laughs> you have input, like you know nothing about the british monarchy but you've been watching the show tweet at us and let us know how it's playing because i i will walk you step by step through how this process works <laughs> <laughs> i'm like queuing this up right after i run out of great british baking show it sounds amazing oh man i'm very curious lucas so when sh- the queen eventually dies are you going to be very emotional oh for sure yeah for sure well, I want to have more conversations at some point with you, Lucas, about the royal family and all your opinions. Definitely, on them. definitely. I want it's something. The only, it's the only. It's the only um, celebrity gossip that I'm willing to get into. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can move on. We can move on. Well, well, yeah. Last week, Sandra, you talking about talking about things that no one cares about. Yeah, this is it. This right here. The things that no one cares about. People care about your weird Tumblr stuff. <laughs> But how the British monarchy works? No, 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 no. The Not British monarchy audience. is Lucas's cute gay Tumblr blog. Right, <laughs> Lucas. Just know I will always want to hear you talk about the British monarchy. Well, I will always want to hear you talk about the weird oh, stuff that you listen to because you make we... me, you make me like it. Oh, you make me like it. That's the sweetest thing anyone's <laughs> ever said. We're like a real sweet night on the podcast tonight, guys. I like Ugh, great. I, don't know what to do. I feel like I <laughs> plan to cook with vinegar and it's straight honey. The whole flavor. Speaking off. of honey, what? Speaking of honey, I saw American Honey last weekend, and it was one of the best movies I've seen all year, if not the best. Amazing movie, um, directed by Andrea Arnold. Um, got into Cannes, and it was released here by A24, who is killing it. It has a lot of projects coming out uh, that I'm really excited about. Um, and, yeah, guys, it was just so good. I, neither of you guys have seen this, correct? No, no. I, I am so frustrated that I didn't make it out to the theater. It was only playing in Nashville for, like, a week, maybe two weeks, and I just didn't make it out in time, and I'm kicking myself because of it. Mm. So I... It, it it looks like it is it looks very much like something I would be interested in and that it it, it kind of has like Oscar bait written all over it, mm-hmm. um, which is definitely my cup of tea. But it has Shia LaBeouf in it. And okay. that that is the thing that puts me on the edge. So tell because me why I should love this movie. Before... There's Shia LaBeouf. In OK, but Lucas, <laughs> before he goes into it, I want to know, do you. Are you against Shia LaBeouf because of him as a human or him as an actor? Him, see, well, we'll talk about this next week, but. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Both. Oh, that's right. Both. Okay. That, I mean, either is fine. I was yes. just curious where you're coming from. I'm going 
I'm going to go with both. The fact that he uh, was in three Transformers movies hurts my heart a okay. little bit. But yeah. Yeah. So I loved Shia LaBeouf back when he was on Even Stevens. And I was watching the Disney Channel all the time. Uh, and then the Transformers movies hurt my heart as well. In fact, I never even watched two, three, or four. I watched the first one, and Ooh. I couldn't stomach to go to a, any of the sequels. Um, so Shia LaBeouf, and then he just did like a bunch of dumb shit out in his life, and I just wasn't <laughs> that into it. But I feel like he has lately, um, for better or worse or pretentious has been trying to do a lot of things to try and uh kind of reboot himself as a creative entity um as an actor and i didn't really know how i felt about it one way or the other until i saw this movie and i'm back in like this is i feel like the kind of film that someone does when they want to prove that they're actually interested in the art of filmmaking, in the craft of acting. And they're really into something to tell interesting character stories and to get really deep and really human and not um, just in it for the, the blockbuster dollars. I feel like he may have learned his lesson from being burnt by those franchises. Um, he has an amazing, disgusting rat tail throughout this whole movie that is completely real. Um, there were paparazzi shots of him all over the place, uh, whenever he, this was filming and people were like, is he really gone off the edge or what's the deal? And it was all for this movie. Um, but it really sells his character. But the thing is, he's like the only real, like, he's not the only real actor because all the actors in this movie are incredible, but he's the only person who probably gets insurance from an actor's guild out of this movie. <laughs> um, like Sha Sasha Lane, who is... Uh, the breakout star of this, like the main protagonist of the film, she's on the poster, um, was discovered by Andrea Arnold whenever she was like with her friends on spring break. She was just at the beach and had the look that uh, Andrea Arnold was looking for and they asked her to read for the part and she got it. And she's phenomenal. So, so good. Um, I think she's from Texas originally um but she gave off the vibe that i don't know for some reason the whole movie i was like i have a feeling you have a british accent and you're doing an amazing <laughs> american impression right now um but she was just so uh such a presence on screen um and really carries the movie on her shoulders and i've never seen her in any other stuff before and now i'm a, a huge fan of hers and will follow her to the whatever her next work is um but I mean, the rest of the people in this movie too, they're, they're real teenagers. Like the director found them on like beaches and streets and state fairs. And like, they just like went up to drunk teenagers asking if they wanted to be in a movie. And it really shows because they all seem like really real and really varied. And you get, you can like picture every single one of them in this place in life. Uh, the film, sorry, not to, I don't want to give too much of it away, but it's not really a movie. Um, one of the things I love about it, it is it's not a movie that can really be spoiled like it's not really a movie uh focused on like it doesn't have a satisfying ending or even like a satisfying plot like it's probably um just had like an outline i wouldn't be surprised if none of this had been scripted at all um but it's a film about uh poverty and uh youth and community i don't know it's it like it really 
takes extra care to have the form follow function. It's shot in a 4-3 aspect ratio, um, which I completely stopped noticing after a while. But mm-hmm. like that compare that paired with the casting and like the naturalistic dialogue and like all of it was shot on location. Like it almost it really almost feels like a documentary of like this group of kids that are in this situation. Um, it goes into uh, like I said, I don't think this will spoil anything. Uh, the industry like selling magazines. Like if you guys have ever had somebody knock on your door, mm-hmm. be like, I'm selling magazine subscriptions. It's that thing. And it's this group of kids who are selling magazines for a summer. And uh, it's just, it's a beautifully shot film. It's beautifully acted. Um, and it, because there's not plot points it's trying to hit, it kept me in suspense so many times. Like it's not a thriller, but there's a lot of situations that could kind of go one way or another, and you don't know what point you're at in the movie. It's not like a movie with three acts. And so in any mm-hmm. given moment, you feel like absolutely anything could happen. And it felt so true to life that way. And um, like it gave scenes room to breathe and would just like find a beautiful shot and stick with it to help set the feel of where you were. It's, it's the unblockbuster in in almost every way and it was so so refreshing to me um to see it and it's just it's a look into a world that i had never thought about never seen into and after seeing this movie like i know that it's i know it's a film i know there's all of those lenses of you know separation but i feel like i've really seen uh, a genuine glimpse into this uh slice of american life that I was completely ignorant about before. So I think if you can be completely transported like that, not, you know, Dr. Strange will get into and like, it's really cool and it's transportive in this kind of, you know, fantasy fun way. But this is like understanding a part of the human condition that I didn't know about. And I just, I appreciate and value that so, so much. So if it is in your area or if it, you know, comes on demand, which I'm sure it will pretty soon, like check it out right away. Yeah, I I can't wait to. I also am really excited because um, I think that this movie has Riley Keough in it. And she's Mm -hmm. an actress that I am really, I'm keeping my eye on. Mad Max fame. Yeah, Mad Max. And she has a a TV show called The Girlfriend Experience. Um, I think it was on Showtime. And Mm. yeah, so I'm really intrigued by her as a performer. And so I was happy to see that she was a part of this movie. I can't wait to see it, Lawson. Yeah, she was, I should have mentioned her. She was incredible in this. She, uh, if this is, um, if there are scripted moments in this film, I would suspect that her role and Shia LaBeouf's role are probably the two scripted ones. And she is remarkable. Like, she has a very interesting character and one that could really be sold short by someone less capable. And she just, she owns what is a a dynamic that's really fascinating and that I would rather um, have anybody listening watch than have me explain. Nice. So I'm going to be asking this question a lot in the next coming months, but are there award chances for this movie? Huh. That's a good question. I, I think there might be award chances for this movie. I could see, um, Sasha Lane being nominated for this movie because she was kind of this unknown quantity 
and did so amazingly with this role um, and did a lot of really challenging things really well in this role. But it doesn't feel like a movie that, because there is some, you know, political machination behind Oscar selections mm-hmm. and everything, it doesn't feel like it has the political heft that a lot of smaller movies that end up getting Oscar nods yeah. have. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody, if any element of this film does get nominated for an Oscar, I'll be thrilled and like, oh yeah, that movie deserves it. But I am not expecting it to get much Oscar love. Ha- cool. Having not seen it, I would say that this seems like too weird of a movie for the Oscars. And I agree. The buzz yeah. that I've heard about it has been incredibly positive but nothing regarding awards at all and so Mm -hmm. that's not something it's not on my radar for those races it's not on my radar for the oscars but i i think it could get some maybe ensemble nomination or something like that at i don't know maybe screen actors guild independent spirit awards for independent spirit awards yeah Yeah, stuff like that so yeah. yeah it's an award it's a film that i think would win a lot of film festivals and i don't think it would win any like oscar nominations it is hey man not all awards are the oscars that's true (laughs) it is it is a strange movie it is but it's such a good weird because it feels Mm -hmm. like a true weird uh and speaking of uh movies produced by a24 sandra yeah a24 keeps killing it with their entire lineup they're the most exciting studio out there um for sure i agree what I'm feeling this week is another A24 film that just came out recently. It's called Moonlight. Um, hopefully you've heard a lot of great buzz about it. Mm. If not, if you haven't yet, here here's some now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a, a tweet that's going around Twitter that's like a promoted tweet that I see all the time from like the movie's advertising team. And it just really captures the film in a great way. And so I want to read it. It says a gorgeous groundbreaking portrait of black life and love in contemporary America. Moonlight is an unparalleled emotional experience. And that really captures what this movie is. I have never seen a film like Moonlight before. It's about this. It's a story of a, it starts with, with the childhood of this young black protagonist male figure. And we get to see him in three different points of his life, um, played by three different actors. It's the story of what it's like to grow up in this community that he's a part of in Miami. And it's a story of what it's like to be gay in that community. This movie just made me feel things I've never felt before when I've seen a film. It has images that I've never seen in film before. Um, One of the things I like about this movie so much is how it takes its time. There's not a ton of plot happening in this movie. It does have a plot. It's not, you know, aimless in any, by any means, but there's not a lot of complexity to the plot. It's just simply a look into this person's life. And it's such an important look into a life that we don't see in film. I loved a lot of the performances in this movie. What really blew me away was the way the camera moved. Um, The camera was, I've heard about this. Just like, it's, you know, this is hard for me to do on a podcast because we're just supposed to explain our experience. And it's hard to explain because 
The camera moves in ways that were so unsettling, but in all the right ways. And I I was just blown away by this film. It's one of the most important movies I've seen of the year. And it's a movie that I think every single person needs to go see, just without a doubt. I've heard a lot of people call it the best film of the year. And so I was really worried when I went into this movie that I was going to have too high of expectations. And I definitely wasn't disappointed. I I personally wouldn't call it the best movie of the year. That's, I think, a high title to give one film. But um, it is a movie that I think every single person needs to see. And I think it's one of the most important films that is being produced and seen in theaters. Um, I... I can't say too much about it other than you need to go see it because it's an important thing for us to experience. And um, at my particular screening in Nashville, we had the privilege of at the end of the film, um, I got to see it on opening night at the opening night. It was showing at our theater. Um, We had Terrence Dean, who is a PhD student here in Nashville and the author of books like Hiding at Hip Hop, Straight from Your Gay Best Friend, Visible Lives, and Mogul. Um, And then Victor Anderson, who is a professor at Vanderbilt University of African American and Diaspora Studies and Religious Studies. And um, he, the two of them are both gay black men. And they talked about their experiences seeing this film, seeing parts of their lives reflected in a feature film. Um, discussing what it meant for this to be released into a grander scale and also what it meant to be um, a gay black man growing up in that time period and in this time period. And that was such um, a wonderful conversation to witness. And then, they, you know, they did Q&A afterwards. So I was just really grateful to have that experience at our theater. Um, I know that we have quite a few people from Nashville that listen to this podcast. So I just want to say that if you haven't seen this movie yet and you want to go see it this week when this podcast comes out, um, this Friday night, they're going to be showing it again and they're going to have another um, post-screening discussion with um, this time um, the founder of Nashville Black Pride and one of the program specialists at the Oasis Center, which is an LGBT center for youth and here in Nashville. And I would just really recommend participating in that. Yeah. Because I think when we have, if you're privileged enough to be in a city that has independent theaters that one show movies like this, where they're not shown in every city, but then also to present opportunities to like participate in conversations and, and listen to people that have the same experiences as the characters you just got to witness in a film I think it's really important to take advantage of those opportunities. Um, I think it will just enrich your experience with that film and enrich your life in general. So um, I just wanted to recommend that to anyone who's in Nashville. I know that's kind of a regional recommendation, but to everyone else, go see Moonlight. I I know it's going to be hard because it's not going to show in every city. It just barely came here to Nashville and it's been playing in other cities before. So hopefully you can find it somewhere near you. If not, as soon as it comes out on iTunes or DVD, please, please watch this movie. You're, you'll be a better person because of it. Man. I'll ask it again. <laughs> Awards chances. <laughs> now, this movie, I 
think is going to have some awards buzz. The hardest yeah. thing is what for me. I I don't know if it's going to be able to get any acting nominations. It's really hard, I think, to get an acting nomination when your protagonist With is it spread out over three, three people. Three actors, yeah. yeah. And all three were incredible, I should say. Um, another interesting fact that I found out is that the three actors that played the main character in Moonlight um, never met each other until after, until like the premiere of the film. Ooh, wow. Which nice. is mind blowing when you see how yeah. amazing, how similar the performances are. And I think that speaks a lot to the director, Barry Jenkins. And I think if this movie gets any nominations, it would be best director and best picture. Those I think are the ones where it's going to have the best chances because the direction in this film is just on a completely new level for me. Nice guys. I feel like we are, eating our vegetables before getting to dessert, like talking about all of these <laughs> like British monarchy, high budget television and award bait movies. And later on, we're talking about Marvel. It's just, I love that we get to talk about all of these things in one time. <laughs> it's true. This is the best time of the year. Look around at how lucky we are to be alive right now. Okay. <laughs> so, moving on to our news section. Uh, on November 3rd, for anyone who did not see, Lin-Manuel Miranda announced that the long-awaited Hamilton mixtape would be dropping December 2nd. Uh, coincidentally, at the same time... This just, huh? I think it's I think it's December 4th in America. I think it's December 2nd yeah, in the UK. It's December 4th. Oh, Okay. Well, I was bummed because while we were recording this uh, podcast, I saw that it was just announced that Childish Gambino's new album, Awaken My Love, is coming out December 2nd. And I was like, if those come out on the same day, my head's going to explode. <laughs> so now I have two days to listen to the new Childish Gambino and then jump over to the Hamilton mixtape. Well, there you go. But, yeah, what we're talking about tonight is uh, the Hamilton mixtape. We have all been i assume we've all been listening to the two new singles that have been streaming are you guys listening to these oh for sure we are i oh, think we sure. should also say for anyone who doesn't know all three of us are big fans of the hamilton soundtrack um yeah it was a soundtrack that uh lindsay had told me about several times and i was just like on the fence about it and started listening to it over the course of an evening, and by the end of it was sobbing on my couch. And so I <laughs> uh, have been a huge fan and incredibly moved by it, uh, and have listened to it a lot of times since. Um, but I was blown away by, A, the track list, which is incredible, and I want to talk about it in a minute, but two, um, Kelly Clarkson's rendition of It's Quiet Uptown is so good. Ugh. I always forget how much I love Kelly Clarkson. She is an amazing <laughs> singer and performer. She's amazing. Yep. She's one of the best, I think, pop vocalists. I don't think she gets a lot of credit because she's just not as glamorous or as visible as a lot of our like current pop stars. But sure. her talent is so pure. And yep. uh, I, uh, yeah. Best thing to come out of American Idol. Absolutely. Yeah, no, they got the best one on the first year. I know. Yep. And Nailed so, it. yeah, I, I'm excited 
it was really exciting to see her singing one of like the most emotional songs on this track list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I also I didn't realize that and that we don't know how it's going to be for all these different tracks because we've only been able to listen to two. But the second track, uh, My Shot, uh, covered by Busta Rhymes, Joel Ortiz, and Nate Russ, it features, it like samples My Shot and does some original verses on it. Um, oh, yeah, the root, it's a the full remix. I should, I should mention. But yeah, it's a full remix. So I don't know what that's going to be, what that's going to mean for the rest of these tracks. But it makes me even more excited to see how they do come out because they could be an exact, you know, transition or an exact translation like Kelly Clarkson did or be a full remix like my shot. I think that's what I'm most excited about is that this isn't going to be some like kids bop version of (laughs) of, (laughs) you know, the exact same songs that we've already heard just sung by someone else. Um, I think it's cool to get a reinterpretation of it. Um, A lot of these songs, as you look through the track list, aren't the actual songs from the um, from the musical they're I guess renditions or I'm, I'm assuming we have you know a song called wrote my way out which is part of I guess it's a line from the Alexander Hamilton opening um, opening song but I don't know if that's gonna be like a remix of that song in itself or a whole new thing that like you said samples you know that song so who knows? Yeah. So many great things could happen. Okay, mm-hmm. so you know what this reminds me of? I don't know if y'all were into this in the early 2000s, but I was really obsessed with the series of albums called Disney Mania. Did y'all, are y'all familiar with these at all? I'm familiar I'm s- and I was never interested. Okay, you missed out. I don't out know what that is, Disney I think. Mania was the shit. There, <laughs> it was a series of albums that Disney would put out where pop stars would put out, would contribute a cover of famous disney songs so like nope. the very first one no they're so not good. about that not I, about that i respectfully disagree with you sandra but yep. please continue 100 <laughs> percent. okay so the first one <laughs> there are is, people listening who agree with you and who okay think that Lucas but this and is I are so fools. the same because this is like pop stars and famous musicians that are like popular today doing just covers of these soundtracks of songs from a production. And that's exactly what this album was. Um, You would have one thing that I'm excited about this Hamilton mixtape is that my favorite song from Hamilton is Wait For It. And on the mixtape, we have Usher covering this, which I think is going to be a really incredible version. And in the original Disney Mania... Usher covered You'll Be In My Heart from Tarzan. And that was also really great. Oh, no. That's one of the worst Disney songs. Okay. Well, we also (laughs) have... I don't want you to be ganged up on. I'm I'm thrilled that you loved that. I could not get into... Like, Disney songs felt like the emoji of music. Like, if you use an emoji outside of a text message, you're doing it wrong. My and God, okay, well, I, don't, I don't agree with you on that. That's the most heinous yeah. thing I've we'll, ever heard. We'll, we'll gang up on Lawson <laughs> on that one for sure. You can use emojis outside of text messages. You cannot use emojis outside of text yes, messages. You can. And I missed 2009. I use them Come on, on Twitter man. all the time. Yeah. No, well, I, t- Twitter is okay. That's fair. I meant <laughs> Twitter as well. Thank Boom, you. Boom. For... Done. All right. Argument one. Argument one. <laughs> I shouldn't have <laughs> no, made it but... such a rigid argument. Yeah, and Snapchat. <laughs> we also use them on Snapchat. 
every okay. social media platform ever. Everything texting you can use adjacent. Yeah, social media. Yeah, texting and adjacent. Texting. That's anything text-based. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm sorry to anyway, start all what these What I'm arguments. saying is certain things have certain contexts and are strange when placed in a different context. And to me, that's how Disney soundtrack songs were. If like they weren't directly being sung by an animated character that I was watching for some reason, it did not compute with me. I'm glad it computed with you. Disney songs um, are some of the most beautiful music we've had in our modern culture. I think we, <laughs> and I want to hear can all every agree on that. version of we them can. possible. I want to hear covers. I want to hear them performed live. I want to hear them in the movies. I want to hear all versions of Disney songs. Let's just be real uh, about that. Here's what you don't want. Here's what you don't want with a Disney song. You don't want a pop star coming in and just doing vocals over basically the same track. I always that a professional... want a pop star to no, come in and do vocals. No. <laughs> but not over Lucas the same track. It's so Jessica boring. Simpson it's so boring. Singing part of your world from The Little Mermaid was brilliant and i uh, love that cover i loved these albums all of that's that that's a travesty say, even the track that raven simone covered sure oh no don't even why not all don't right. even don't right. even raven simone so, can so ba basically <laughs> the beauty of this mixtape is that that's not what it's going to be it's going to yes. be actually redone music they're not going to take the exact thing from the musical that and just Kelly have Clarkson usher sing over cover it. is basically a disney mania song <laughs> i loved it and she's a great singer but that's exactly she's a what fantastic singer but it's that's that i think is the closest we're going to get but there is there's new music there's new I'm music excited to it. for the new music but i'm also excited for the Not kelly clarkson covers all right we need to get slightly more back on track and to wrap up <laughs> this section okay of the pod talk about what tracks are you most excited to hear covers of Absolutely. I'm Don't call them covers. Don't call them covers. I'm excited Re for the cover. <laughs> I'm excited for the cover of Dear Theodosia Ugh. with Chance the Rapper and Francis and Which the Lights. Which one? Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's the go. one I'm the most excited for. I predictably. Oh no. I, okay. I'm also really I, Go ahead, Lucas. Sorry. I am excited for the Dear Theodosia version of for, from Regina Spectre featuring Ben Folds. I'm also excited for that one. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm excited for all of them. We can just say that now. <laughs> for sure. Who tells your story okay. with Common and Ingrid Michelson, I think is mm. going to be amazing. Mm. I, I'm looking over this again, and now I'm realizing the one I'm actually the most excited about, because it's the <laughs> song that makes me cry in the musical, mm -hmm. other than Quiet Uptown, is um, History Has Its Eyes on You with John yep. Legend. Yep. Again, yep. that's, that's going to be a straight-up cover, Lucas. I'm predict calling yep. it right we'll now. We'll see. And new, new music. It's gonna new be music, amazing. Uh, we'll see. We're not too there... good for a John Legend cover. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, uh, the best thing about this is there are no losers in this argument. We all get to listen to this album, <laughs> and that makes us all winners. <laughs> is there any one that you're upset about, or, or I guess, oh, I yes. guess, hesitant yes, about? Absolutely. In... Get is, that? Okay. Get gone with the Jimmy Fallon version of "You'll yep, Be Back." Yep. 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 Same. Same. <laughs> Not a Jimmy Fallon fan. I don't want him on no, my Hamilton. No. Get a real singer. Yes. Get somebody who can do this for real. You could have had. Oh, there's, there's just so many other people that have it's that could have done something more could have had funny. Any white guy in the world sing this song, and you chose Jimmy Fallon because right. he's friends with the Roots. If he was not friends with the Roots, he would not be there. That's I. I agree with you wholeheartedly. They could get so many incredible people. To do. Neil Patrick Harris yeah. would have been amazing. Absolutely. Sure. You know who is not on this list that I'm really upset about? Who? 
my boy JT. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, JT would have been way better than Jimmy Fallon because he's an yeah. actual musician. Exactly. Ugh, I know that we are excited about all of them, and so we keep bringing up just more tracks. But I'm really excited to see Sia on this album, um, singing "Satisfied." Mm-hmm. I think that "Satisfied" is another favorite song of mine mm-hmm. in the show. It's probably the song that I know the best, and I think that one's going to be really exciting as well. With yeah. Queen Latifah, yeah, and yeah. Miguel, who is sexy, yeah. <laughs> cannot wait. Yeah, so good. Mm. All right. Anyway, well, so this drops December 4th, correct? Yes. I believe In the so. U.S. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, can't get here soon enough. Yes, we are all super stoked about this. And if you have not had a chance to listen to these yet, you can uh, stream the first two singles on Spotify, which makes me uh, presume that you could, be, you could listen to them on basically wherever you get your streaming music so go check those out you will not be disappointed now let's move on to our main segment and talk a little bit about marvel's dr strange to get into what we thought of Marvel's newest installment, but uh, most of the reviews that have been coming in have been largely positive, and I'm sure that we, or I mean, I'll just speak for myself, I will have plenty of positive things to say about the film, but I think we would be remiss to not at least mention an element of the movie that got a lot of press a while back and then kind of seemed to fade into the background. Earlier this year, we heard that Tilda Swinton, uh, a white woman, was going to be cast in the role of the Ancient One, which is uh, traditionally in the comic books, the role of an Asian man. And that caused, naturally, quite a stir. Um, the blog, The Nerds of Color, actually wrote a very well-framed article in which they reviewed the reviews of Doctor Strange and how much they either talked about or didn't talk about the film's problematic whitewashing. So uh, we all read this article and all saw this film. Um, what were y'all's thoughts about... Uh, this article in particular um, and the way that it addresses the conversation around whitewashing for Doctor Strange? Well, with the article in particular, I thought it was really informative um, about how so many reviewers either don't mention it at all or if they do, it's sort of a soft aside and they make excuses for the film and... um, and I agree with the article stance that no excuses should be made for whitewashing characters. There's just not good ones. Um, we live in a mm-hmm. day and age where people shouldn't be allowed to get away. I mean, no one should have ever been allowed to get away with it, but we know better for sure now. And um, it just shouldn't be excused. Yeah. And shame on, for, in my personal opinion, is shame on any writer that writes it in shame on any director that includes it in their film shame on any producer that approves it and shame on any actor that agrees to participate in it yeah i appreciated how um i agree i think it was really important that it was written and talked and showed kind of uh, a range of all these different articles and reviews 
that didn't talk about it or made excuses for it or were really kind of like abrasively dismissive of it um, in a couple of instances. I, at the end of the day, I, I thought it was very possible. And the one review that they give the most praise to, um, it's very possible to still say, like, of course, Tilda Swinton did a great job acting in this role. She shouldn't have been acting in the role. Um, you can have a nuanced take on this that both complements what you've seen on the screen while acknowledging mm-hmm. the problematic, its problematic existence. So, um, yeah, I was really bothered by I, I like Tilda Swinton so much that I think I was making some of the same excuses in my head um, that a lot of these film reviews said explicitly whenever I was going into the movie. And it really stuck out to me how uh, Asian influenced and how, you know, they were on set and everyone was walking around in these uh, amazing costumes and on these beautiful sets and everything that were so clearly um, influenced by Asian cultures. And then there's Tilda Swinton, a white woman, uh, playing this role. And it just seemed very out of place. And um, I understood. Like, whenever they talked about it, like, yeah, it was just a decision we made. It it didn't even seem like they fully worked their way through that decision in the way that they wanted to do, wanted to adapt this. Like, but I, I think a lot of that comes from not having Asian people as part of your production team on your writing staff, on your, um, on, on the production, on the, as a producer. Um, I feel like that's something that, um, somebody would have brought up if they were aware of it and the fact that no one was aware of it means there was nobody there with, I guess, a cultural mindset at all. It was, you know, just in their minds, just, Oh, you know, it's something we didn't really think about. We're just trying to make a movie here. Um, and that's just not, that's not, that's not how this should work at all. What's frustrating about that to me, Lucas, is I agree with you that like, Mm -hmm. I wish there were more Asian people as part of like the production of this movie or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, to speak up for this, you know, why this shouldn't be happening. And, but at the same time, even if there's not, which I wish there were, and I think there should be, but even if there's not like, we know better. None of us are Asian and we know better than to do something like this. You know, like we, if you're, if you are a student of pop culture, you understand what whitewashing is and why it's not a good thing. And heads of mm-hmm. studios have no excuse for not understanding what this is. They do absolutely know what whitewashing is. You know what I mean? They don't mm-hmm. need and I, I know that this isn't exactly what you were saying, Lucas, so I'm, I'm not trying to argue with you, but they no, don't you're good. need yeah. an Asian person to be working with them to tell them that this is wrong. You know what I mean? They know it's wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They should, yeah, and, and I I think this this comes down with the uh, the, the the Mulan news as well. Um, mm-hmm. Wait, uh, with uh, have you not heard? About no, that? I haven't heard this. I'm <laughs> so Googling uh, it now. the basically the uh, the story outline came out, um, and the live action Mulan movie um, is set as a white guy goes to Asia and meets this girl named Mulan, and it's more so about this white guy in Asia 
helping what? defeat it should be said <laughs> whatever. there are two different live action mulan movies in the works right now one of them is correct, from disney correct. the other one's from sony the one i yeah. believe with the that might be about a white guy is from sony not disney that's yes that sounds correct. a lot more sony let's get in and talk about this but the fact that there are only 10 speaking line there's 10 speaking roles in this movie um is something that i like that it is a small cast a small kind of a uh, group of people that were that that we meet and talk to um the fact that we only get one asian and he's a librarian who doesn't really have a lot of lines isn't super great no. um this movie is set in nepal for the most part i mean we get some london and some uh new york and and hong kong uh, but for the most part we're in asia and it's it's super weird that we we only have one asian character with spe- with well, a speaking role well also just to get like really gross in dollars and cents about it i think we've talked about this before like financially it doesn't make sense to do that like the largest box office gains that these movies make are in china like Mm -hmm. being putting representation on the screen of someone who looks more like one of your largest target audiences is nothing but considerate and smart and like from a business sense really savvy like i just it it speaks so much to how deeply embedded um how wrongfully deeply embedded in our culture this um this disposition to make uh white a race as default and something that can like replace or stand in for any other race is to somehow uh go over the what seems like very common sense decision to cast an Asian actor in this role. Like, I didn't get it from a financial standpoint, a creative standpoint, none of, none of it made mm-hmm. sense. We also get Chiotel Ejiofor um, cast in a role that is traditionally white. So it's not as if, you know, I, th- I, think in- I don't think intentionally they're trying to make this movie as white as possible. I just think there's an insensitivity and a just a complete lack of understanding um, of how, you know, of how this should work. Um, and how people would react mm-hmm. to something like this, which is sad. All right. Well, unless there are any final thoughts, um, I not that we can't continue talking about this throughout um, discussing our thoughts of the film as a whole, but uh, do you guys want to start talking about what we thought of Doctor Strange? Sure. Let's do it. To touch on uh, what I thought of the film itself, we'll jump into spoilers uh in a minute, but without giving too much away, I really enjoyed this film. I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, I definitely had some problems with it. Um, there's some things that you know we can get into uh, about the the pacing and the way that this film was put together uh, that were that I think could have improved. But overall, I thought it was a really fun movie. I'm really excited to see how this influences the rest of the Marvel movies going forward. Just to kind of touch on some of the things that I didn't like, uh, I think this is a movie that uh, is an origin film that suffered from origin film fatigue to its detriment. Uh, Like, it is one of the trippiest and most difficult cells um, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe so far, but it was also one of the most abbreviated origin stories uh, that we've seen, which made it feel less grounded. Like you had a lot of groundwork you needed to lay, but it uh, it didn't focus on that as long as I wanted it to. And 
I think the the fame of the actors got in the way for me a couple of times. Um, there were a few scenes where I was watching between uh, Rachel McAdams and Benedict Cumberbatch, and they're both amazing actors that I love and everything I've seen them in, but I would just see them talking, you'd be like, oh, look, Rachel McAdams talking to Benedict Cumberbatch. Like, I didn't, I don't remember uh, her <laughs> character's name at all. The only reason I remember his name is because it's the title of the movie. Um, I Throughout the movie, I only ever thought of them in terms of the actors that they were, not their characters. But yeah, aside from it being seeming like they jumped in to wanting you to believe all this stuff about the way that the universe worked uh, and uh, pretty quick and uh, abbreviating a couple of things that needed more exposition to feel grounded, I, I had a really fun time. I thought the special effects were gorgeous and uh, it, there were a lot of visuals I had never uh, seen a film uh, put out before, and I, I just, I really, I remember Doctor Strange as a character in the cartoons that I was growing up watching, uh, Spider-Man in particular, there were a bunch of mm-hmm. uh, cameos that Doctor Strange would have on that show, and uh, the, his main villain Dormammu made a play, made a uh, appearance on that show a lot, and so I was really interested to see how this uh, was interpreted on screen, knowing about all the trippy visuals, and I thought, it was very inventively done, and I thought they did a really great job. Um, not a flawless job, but really, really fun. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it a lot. So one of the things is this this movie is about an egotistical rich guy who is extremely um, unlikable, and he has an accident and is injured and has to recover from that and basically becomes a better guy because of it. And that's the same story that we saw in Iron Man. And (laughs) basically, Lucas, (laughs) in Iron Man, Tony Stark was kind of likable. Like, he's kind of arrogant and like a little douchey, but he's also kind of fun to be around. We had a little more backstory to... I guess solidify our opinion of him before. Yeah, they developed the, his character more. I feel like here we just saw him as kind of really a douchebag, and <laughs> there was no character development for him to kind of come out of that. And I, he's so much, he's written exactly like Tony Stark <laughs> for the most part. Like just like his quips, just his character moment. He's performed differently by Benedict Cumberbatch, um, but. He's basically the same character, and we can get into inside baseball later as to why that is, but um, it was something that I didn't really appreciate. Now, on the visual side, this movie is phenomenal. Um, Everyone's talked about um, Inception a lot as to how this kind of pulls from that. I think it... Um, it definitely samples Inception, but does a whole new thing with it that I uh, that I really loved um, and kind of made it its own. They really I committed was that it was going to be too yeah, like, derivative, yeah too Inception. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I think they really really committed to the visual style of this movie, um, which I think is commendable, seeing as it's a Marvel movie and is you know they don't like to take a lot of risks with those. Um I don't think they did take a lot of risks with this one, but I think the visual style of it was definitely something that um was probably on the fence for a while, but they were able to push through. I I think it, it something this this movie because it doesn't really tie into the rest of the Marvel universe very much, um reminds me a little bit of 
um, like Iron Man kicking off the this whole franchise that has happened, um, but also Guardians of the Galaxy, which was kind of just kind of an out there movie that didn't really tie in. Um, but that also made me see such the huge failings that happened with this movie, whereas where Guardians of the Galaxy excelled mm-hmm. was in that character work and in the the kind of the teamwork. You were you were in it for the team, and I feel like with with this team of really three people um, that kind of go through this movie together, um, that could have been a huge team building movie that, uh, that, that it could have been a huge team building movie that uh, I don't feel like succeeded where, Mm. where it could have. Okay. So this is the first Marvel cinematic movie, I guess part of the Marvel cinematic universe um, that I have actively disliked. I Whoa. did not like this movie at all. <laughs> um, I was annoyed by it throughout the entire thing. Um, I think what, there's several reasons why. One initial reason is because the character of Doctor Strange, played by Benedict Cumberbatch, is so unlikable and... He never, it's one thing to start off with an incredibly assholish character. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you kind of suspect that something's going to happen and he's going to grow and change. Like, we, we know that that's what happens in these movies. But any of the growth that was supposed to happen, I don't feel like was earned. Um, I feel like, like I mentioned earlier, Robert Downey Jr. plays this character so much better. So we already have yeah. this character in a charming, likable version. You know, he's <laughs> the arrogant, genius asshole that you hate to love. This guy, mm-hmm. I just hate him. Like, he, <laughs> he, you know, there was nothing charming about this character. And mm-hmm. that, I think, speaks to the whole movie in that when I go to a Marvel movie, I expect two things. I expect some great action sequences and I expect to laugh. And this movie is so unfunny, actively unfunny. There is one um, comedic device that I found charming in the film and the rest of it, every time they tried to land a joke, it just didn't land with me. Um, Mm. so I, that was the biggest disappointment is even if a Marvel movie is like, doesn't make a lot of sense or it's kind of all over Mm -hmm. the place, or maybe it's too slow or too fast. I at least expect to have a few good laughs and I didn't get that out of this one. But you said this, the other thing was the action. You came for the action. The action. What'd you think? What'd you think? The action was fine. But I think here's my the biggest complaint that I have with this movie, and y'all both touched on this, is I think the pacing was a mess. And yeah. it was such a mess that I didn't enjoy the action or the visuals. I, you know, the trailers for this film, I thought I was going to be blown away by the visuals. And I was really excited for those coming in. Um, I, you know, going into this movie, I didn't expect it to become like my new favorite Marvel film, but I expected mm-hmm. to be really impressed by the visuals. But because the pacing was so bad, the visuals left me unimpressed. Um, I watched, I rewatched the trailer today after having seen the movie yeah. and 
I thought the visuals looked stunning in the trailer. And it's all because <laughs> of the way the music was used, the way the pacing was in the trailer versus the way it was in this movie. It all just felt rushed and I didn't get, there was no build up to, I feel like any of the visuals, it, I, this movie left me completely unsatisfied. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. this is, you know, it's kind of a side complaint. Um, but another thing that was incredibly frustrating is that I think it is an insult to us as an audience to cast an actress as amazing as Rachel McAdams and give her nothing <laughs> to do. That I think is just yeah. so ridiculous. And Marvel has a history of doing this. They've cast mm-hmm. these amazing Oscar award-winning or Oscar-nominated actresses, Gwyneth Paltrow, Natalie Portman, now Rachel McAdams, as this girlfriend character that just doesn't get a lot to do. And because of that, you have actresses like Gwyneth Paltrow and Natalie Portman that don't sign on for for more films because they're not getting the attention they deserve as an actress of their caliber. And I don't know what Rachel McAdams was doing in this movie, um, one person on Twitter was like, does she have gambling debts she needs to pay off? Because <laughs> there was nothing for her in this. And she is so good. And she deserves much a much better role than what she was given in this movie. Yeah. I think I think her role could have been played by literally anyone. Anyone, like she anyone has... who can speak a f- like four sentences could have played this yeah. role. Yeah. She does not get to do anything yeah. in this movie. So... Yes, she didn't have much to do with it. You didn't you didn't enjoy seeing her on screen though? Like not I thought she had a really great performance. I agree she didn't wasn't given enough to do, but I thought she did great with what she had. Well, of course, because she's amazing. But I it is frustrating to see someone that you know is a great actor being wasted. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. here's I, what happens. I, I would have rather not had her in the movie. Rachel McAdams, you expect something of that character. Just like mm-hmm. if Anthony Hopkins shows up in your movie or your TV show, you don't expect him to be the librarian that gets one line. You expect that he's that there's going to be something meaty to that role. And mm-hmm. I think actually that applies oh, to ahead. this I, as well. I agree. And you're making me remember something about Ant-Man, which really threw me off which is that I do not like Evangeline Lilly as an actress at all. But in that movie, I think she did a fine job, but she becomes a superhero. Yeah. Like she she's given She gets another And she also has a character arc throughout. The, she has she's an mm-hmm. active member of the plot. Right. Like I would so much rather a Rachel McAdams or a Natalie Portman or something have been in that role as opposed to an Evangeline Lilly. And I don't know if it's financial thing, like they want to get the name recognition of this big actress without it having to pay for like a certain amount of minutes on screen or a certain amount of movie deal contract or something. But that I I had not thought about that. That's very true. It's like I would be okay with her not being in this movie. Like this movie didn't need her. No. You could have like I I understand she's great, and and like a lot of people are saying like oh but in the second movie she'll do, I, I I don't I don't I don't care but just you know put her in the second movie. She didn't have to be in this movie no. at all. Um, the story didn't change because she was in it. Um, I feel like like if you told me before only ten, there are only ten characters in this movie. There are only 10 actual characters with speaking lines. I would have assumed that Rachel McAdams had 
so much bigger of a role. Mm. And the fact that she had nothing. And then there's, I guess there's nine people that talked more than she did, but <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's sad. It's so sad. Um, I feel the same way about uh, Mads Mikkelsen as the villain. Oh, I feel yes. like he was so, un- so underdeveloped. Um, we got nothing from him. Um, he shows up fully formed as a villain with absolutely n- no backstory. We get a little bit of a, um, of a peek into, into his history in this, in this movie. But I, I want, I want growth. One of the, I mean, the best Marvel v- villain we have so far is Loki. Um, and that's because we, we got him as part of the team at the beginning of, of, of Thor, um, and watched his descent into a bad guy throughout that movie he wasn't he wasn't the bad guy of that movie we watched his fall um throughout it it's and that that is what that's what i want i want a real villain finally yeah yeah as much as i love marvel movies this movie really was a reminder of the shortcomings that the mcu has as a franchise like Mm -hmm. movies like thor the dark world and iron man 3 all these movies have really forgettable villains because really ultimately these movies are vehicles for the hero to go on an adventure and to develop and grow so that they can be in a different place in the next movie they're in where the villains just need to disappear um and with captain america civil war and the avengers before that there was so much interplay between these characters that have been developing from movie to movie and we have been getting growth and a long story arc from them that it's made those avengers or those uh films really compelling and really interesting whereas this one is more of a classic like one part installment into the franchise and suffered from the kind of cookie color cookie cutter villain syndrome the thing is Mm -hmm. though that We've seen it done right with Ant-Man previously in this franchise. You know, Ant-Man's not my that favorite. That was a weak villain too, though. Oh, see, I disagree. I loved the, I loved that villain in that film. But Ant-Man's not my favorite yeah. Marvel film. But I feel like we had a decent villain. The, the villain had a great backstory. We also had an origin story that I don't feel like was rushed. And this film, to me wanted to be so many things. It wanted to be an origin story. It wanted to explain an entire universe and it wanted to have this like end of the world battle. And that's a lot to do in one movie. And it tried to do it all and it tried to rush through it all. This movie just felt so rushed. I didn't know how long anything was happening. You know, there was a, one of my biggest uh, another big complaint that I had was I couldn't really get a grasp on how long it took for anything to happen in this film. <laughs> I don't think there's a good sh- demonstration of how long anything is taking um, throughout mm-hmm. the entire film. And so mm-hmm. that, I think, is one of the, my biggest issues with it. And I also just – I don't think it took its time with anything. Some of those visuals, I think, on their own would have been stunning. But because we were rushed from one to another, and because all of the action leading up to those visuals felt rushed, I didn't. it didn't give me time to be surprised and awed and in awe of them. Um, and that, I think, was really sad because the CGI work into creating those visuals, I'm sure, is spectacular. Mm-hmm. 
but I didn't appreciate any of it. All right. Well, I have a lot of thoughts, and I think we all do that or fall more into spoiler territory, but it sounds like I enjoyed it. Lucas was okay with it. Sandra actively disliked it. Um, we are on the range here. Um, I would recommend a red box. Red or box. To, wait, yeah, red Sand- box it. Sandra, what's your recommendation? Don't see it. <laughs> don't see I'm it. I'm serious. And I, this isn't, I don't hate this movie. I'm not mad that it was made, but I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. My friends that are asking me about it right now, I'm specifically telling them, you don't want to see it. And I say go see it in IMAX 3D. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right, so let's jump into spoilers. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No, crack and gas. Spoilers! Remember, you wanted this. Okay, so my least favorite part of this whole film was whenever Stephen Strange walks into the sanctuary and the Ancient One just touches his forehead. And then it's like, boom! Trippy this sequence. This whole world, this whole trippy sequence. Ugh, that was that lame. Is completely, like, it could have been beautiful and incredible all like what they tried to do was convince Stephen strange that the there's a multiverse and different dimensions and all this stuff and explain what all of those universes are and how low they work at the same time and like it's not putting in the hard work of doing exposition in a series of in a system that is very complex it seems like after earning getting Stephen Strange to a point where he's willing to even buy into any of that. It's almost like the screenwriters were like, we really don't have time to convince him. Let's just like send him through this crazy acid trip. <laughs> also, and then he'll come back and be like, holy shit, okay. Am I just being super negative? Or to me, that trippy, those visuals weren't fun or cool. They seemed really lame and cheesy to me. They were a horror director's vision of crazy you know dimensional stuff that's what that's what it was well the whole time i was in i was like this is a horror director right here this is not somebody who has like a vision for you know you know what what of of you know multi-dimensional multi-dimensional universes and stuff like that he he's just like what are just some crazy visuals i can do lucas you've seen the comics right like the source material yes so i having seen a lot of that source material Mm -hmm. i was really impressed because it's all this trippy 2D like postmodern impressionist art that they use to illustrate these different dimensions, which at the time was incredible and mm-hmm. like really experimental and cool. And so they tried to translate that into a 3D space that you could actually move through. And mm-hmm. I was into it. I I liked what they did with those different dimensions, and I thought it was. You know, anytime you try to interpret what is a different dimension or a, you know, a different universe or something like that look like, it's going to be kind of a crapshoot. Like, Interstellar did a really interesting take. Everything is going to be just a form of imagination. I wasn't Mm -hmm. upset by the way that they portrayed that. It was just how little patience they had in spelling all of that out. Because, like, going back to what you said, Sandra, they had so many cool visuals that they just didn't take the time to set up Mm -hmm. 
for me for me the visuals didn't match up with the exposition yeah it was just like hey we're gonna write whatever we want you do whatever you want visually and we'll just play them at the same time that was a big thing that i thought when i was watching a bunch of the like architecture stuff was not Mm -hmm. just how amazing that they made this but like who took a pencil and sketched something and talked to somebody to tell them how to make that like (laughs) it was some of the most inventive like okay this is going to be upside down while this is flying off to the side and they're walking on this like i couldn't even conceptualize of that stuff and watching it happen and then knowing that they edited like they made not only did they create all of it in cg but they did cuts like the director did cuts in between that action and you were able to keep I felt like I was able to keep up with the action as it was moving through it. I was really, really impressed by the action set pieces that um, took place in all the impossible geometry. Hmm. So now we're talking about the the bend the world fight stuff. Right. Because they always fight in the bend the world world. Um, so the kaleidoscope world was called the mirror dimension is where they can fight and not have it affect the rest of the world, which is... Our universe, the physical dimension. Right, right. The, yeah, the right. physical dimension, which I think is a cool idea. Um, I don't think, like most of the things, I felt like the explanation was rushed. Yes. And the, I guess the use of it seemed super comical of like, oh, we're about to fight. Let's go to the mirror dimension. Like, it, it was just super, like, obviously, I, I did like the visuals of it. Yeah. I liked the visuals of what that looked like, the but way, getting there and why they were there never felt good. The way good. that one time Benedict Cumberbatch said, we're in the mirror dimension now. You can't harm anyone. <laughs> it was so lame. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. Okay. <laughs> I also was disappointed, like... I really did like this movie, but since you guys, I just want you guys to know that I, it's not like I was turning a blind eye to these. No, sure, right? we like, know, yeah. we the, know. The thing that, uh, another thing that threw me off was the like fling ring. Is that what it was yeah. called? Sling ring. Yeah. The thing that they put on their hands to like make the portals. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, could have been so cool. Like there could have been, I don't know, 90 seconds of exposition being like people hundreds of years ago discovered that this certain kind of iron when arranged in these certain particles did something to the way that the fabric of the universe was weaved together and so la 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 and you're just like no you just wear this ring and then you can make sparks (laughs) and like if you're not good at it just be cold for a minute and then you'll get it yeah (laughs) so one thing that bothered me about like so many plot holes i feel like in this movie the biggest, again, mm-hmm. nothing about this character that I, I enjoyed. But, like, so in the beginning of the film, he's, like, looking for, um, like, a cure, right? And he's mm-hmm. desperate. And he sees, like, Benjamin Bratt's character who is, like, yep. I was healed by my mind. And, you know, and you have to go to this place and they'll teach you about how to restore your spirit or whatever he said. It was all, you know, kind of spirit, yes. mind, mumbo jumbo. And he just hops on a plane. And then once he gets there and the ancient one tells him, we deal with the spirit and the mind. And he's like, what? Shocker. No. Wait, that's exactly (laughs) what you were told you were going to get. Why? Yeah, that is 100% what he signed up for. Why did you not experience any, why did you not scoff at Benjamin Bratt? (laughs) Why did you fly all the way to Nepal to scoff then? 
Also, so in the trailer and in this movie, there's the line where he says, I don't believe in fairy tales about chakras or energy or the power of belief, which is a funny line that a comedian that I love, Demi Adijuibe, also known as like Electro Lemon on Twitter and Snapchat. I love him. I saw the tweet. Well, on Snapchat, he has been making fun of that line like for months now. And I've enjoyed that. So I had a special like laugh, (laughs) warm feeling in my heart for that line. But that, you know, when he says that line in this movie, I feel like I embody that line about this movie. Like, this movie made me feel that way about the, the dimensions and the spirituality and the mind. Like, the whole, I'm a person who wants to get into that kind of stuff. I'm excited to, like, explore those realms. But because this movie was so not charming... I was like the Doctor Strange, like scoffing at every time they would introduce a new <laughs> element or like talk about a new ritual. I just, I would just roll my eyes, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and that really frustrates me because I wanted to get into all this stuff. Yeah, guys, Doctor Strange has always been a dark character. Like in the comic books, in the artwork, in the way that he's written, like he's never Tony Stark. He's never Spider Man. He's never quippy. He's not like, quippy. He's clever, but he's not, like, funny, and most of his adventures are really dark and twisted and trippy. He would never say the words Beyonce. That's probably true. Yeah, see, that's my other... Except that he's really, uh, has a lot of knowledge about music in this universe. Okay. Apparently. My thing about about that, Lawson, is that, like, I could have been on board for a dark asshole hero. It's Mm -hmm. not that he was a jerk it's that i don't feel like they were consistent i feel like you could have made me fall for an asshole there i've i've done Mm -hmm. that plenty of times in fiction (laughs) you know (laughs) that is not something that i am like opposed to doing but the portrayal of this either you have to be charming or you have to be like steadfast in who this character is and show maybe like small moments of growth that like make you really excited. Not like Mm -hmm. he's writing these heartfelt emails all of a sudden, you know, there's there, we didn't get to see any kind of transformation in him or why he transformed. Um, I, it was just all over the place. And I, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to convince you to not like this movie. I'm just, no, no, I know. Because mm-hmm. I and wanted to enough. have a good time at this movie, you know? I want to mm-hmm. love Marvel movies. Yeah. I want to love Chiatel Ejiofor, and we really did not get to do that a whole I lot know. in this movie. You know, there were, there no, were certain... He, he was kind of like the tag along. Yeah. He just kind of hung out. Every now and then, there was a scene in this movie that I did really like. I do want to say that. There was a scene with Chiwetel Ejiofor and mm-hmm. Tilda Swinton when he's talking about his demons, and... I thought I really liked the writing and the acting in that scene. Yeah, I loved the scene with Tilda Swinton um, when she was about to die, and yeah. her scene with Doctor Strange at the snow. I thought that was a beautiful scene, mm-hmm. and yeah. So like there were moments that were really affecting. Um, I, I mentioned earlier that I thought this film was really not funny. I did think everything with the with the cape was hilarious. I loved the cape. Oh, that's true. The cape, the cape was, awesome. was fantastic. Cape MVP of the yes. movie. Best character. Cape made me laugh. <laughs> I laughed a lot at the cape. Yep. I also laughed at one joke that wasn't cape related. And it was <laughs> the joke where um 
Mads Mikkelsen's character meets Doctor Strange. And he says, yes. Mr. And he goes, no, Doctor. He goes, Mr. Doctor? And he goes, no, it's Strange. He goes, I mean, it kind of is. <laughs> and that's, someone wrote a piece about just that joke, how it's like such a great vaudevillian joke. And I really appreciated it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I like that a lot. Oh, man. I, I think, can I? All right, can we get inside baseball for just one second before we wrap yeah. up? I'm here with you. So the reason he is the way he is in this movie is because we're about to lose Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, um, and we need someone to step in and fill that role. So he, this is this is all speculation from my end. He is going to fill that role and be basically the exact same character as Tony Stark um, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe to help kind of run this team. Um, which to me is extremely annoying because it, I guess, makes that belief that you have to have that kind of character to make the Marvel Cinematic Universe work. Yeah. Which the white guy with I, the goatee and yes, um, which I get it. That's what the universe was built on. Um, but I think we've moved past that. The so I I I am I guess I'm upset that we have to do this with a character that could have been great on his own without having to be the exact same person. Mm-hmm. So um, the other inside baseball thing, Doctor Strange 2, we're going to get uh, Chiwetelogy 4 as a bad guy, which I'm all for. Um, I do like that they set him up in this movie as a good guy. And we kind of saw his this his disenchantment with this way of life. Yeah, and I love that we don't have to have set up for the hero or the villain for the next one. You can just get right, right into it. Right. We can get. And so that I think is will probably play well. Um I don't I I not that they failed with this movie but I wonder I wonder how excited I will be to get into that cuz it could be great. You've you set up you've set up a, a hero, you've set up a villain um and you don't have to get into that in the next movie, but I'm wondering if that will even excite me when that finally comes around again. The movie this reminded me the most of was Thor, the first movie mm, because yeah. it has all these elements of like trying to be in the real world and on earth, but then doing all these universe dimensional bending things. There's, it was a small for it. It had some of the shortcomings that Thor had and that it was trying to show this huge expansive universal setting. Mm -hmm. But like you said, there were 10 main characters, just like the scope felt very, massive and small at one time not in a way that was like intimate so it's okay just in a way that felt a little incongruous um and i don't know i think that's i think a big piece of the reason why i like this movie was it felt like a thor movie that i liked more um it's been a while since i've seen the original thor but Mm -hmm. both of them felt like oh there's a lot of underdeveloped characters and the movie isn't as long and like it's not paying things off or uh, earning scenes as much as it could and such just feels a little off but it's a lot of fun and like i i really liked benedict cumberbatch and i really i had a lot more of a nostalgic tie to this character than i ever did to thor and so Mm -hmm. i think i was just kind of like oh well this isn't my least favorite marvel film i was totally willing to suspend my disbelief and and i had a i was along for the ride even though i did notice the bumps on it yeah yeah well because we're gonna get so he's gonna be i'm assuming in in our next thor movie 
um, which looks incredible based on this stinger alone. We shall see. We shall see. Um, I'm excited about it, but not because of that stinger. (laughs) Agreed. Agreed. I'm excited because of the director. But also, Marvel movies have not had a good track record of letting the director, I guess, own the movie. Except with, except <laughs> so, with James Gunn. That's true. That's true. Well, I, I th- that was, I think, more so because, not that they didn't care about it, but they were kind of like, let it be its own thing. Yeah. Um, which I'm not sure that's how they feel about a Thor 3. I have a lot of hope <laughs> for Thor 3. I just, I, I have a, a good intuition about it. You know, I'm not basing this yeah. off of evidence. Yeah. I just, I feel like <laughs> it's gonna, I think that it's gonna be good. To... I, have my yeah. fingers crossed. With their directors, two wrongs do not make an Edgar right. Well, With that. Continue. On that note. I thought you had something else to say. I thought that was just going to be able to land. Not anymore. Nope. All <laughs> not right. Not anymore. All right. Well, that's a good thing because everyone listening is laughing. They wouldn't have heard what you had said anyway. So I think this works out for us all. Um, all right. Any final thoughts uh, wrapping up what we thought of Doctor Strange? I didn't like Benedict Cumberbatch. Other than that, I'm. I, I, I think I've said my piece. I just didn't like it. Watch it on Redbox, or when it comes out on Netflix. All right, not the best, not the worst. <laughs> Lawson, you can admit that you like this movie. What I think we can all agree <laughs> is that you should spend twenty four ninety five to see this movie in IMAX three D. Oh. Did, did, you, did and... you see it in IMAX three D? Please tell me you did not. I didn't see it in IMAX 3D, and the whole time that I was seeing all those awesome sequences, all I could think <laughs> was, this would be so much better in IMAX 3D. Uh, um, but I loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, and I want to hear from the people listening. What did you think? Am I crazy? Am I completely delusioned because of my allegiance to this franchise? Um have cooler heads prevailed in the majority with Sandra and Lucas's descents. Let us know what your opinion is on Dr. Strange. We'd love to hear from you um, on Twitter or on email and feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. If you feel so inclined, that helps us get more visibility and reach more people. Um, so yeah, let's say our goodbyes. Sandra, where can we find more of you online? All of my social platform platforms <laughs> are at Sandra Amstutz. <laughs> My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat is where you can find me. I'm Lucas Wright. Um, You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Lucas and Stuff. And I'm Lawson Soward. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Lawson West. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope that you are listening with a uh, cheery disposition because of how well the election went uh last night (laughs) and uh we will talk to you guys on the other side talk to you later adios thank you goodbye now goodbye go away i'll see you soon okay that's it go home yep move along padre goodbye old friend that's it that's our show for tonight people 